the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Now, what kind of temptations does Satan throw at us? Let's just put it this way. In his arsenal of temptations, the ones that he tries to lure us most into sin, such sins as would be such as anger, immorality, jealousy, covetousness, pride, envy, hatred, fear, worry, distrust, doubt, despair, discouragement, self-reliance, and really, quite frankly, every other sin imaginable. In other words, Satan's flaming arrows are wicked enticements to sin. And the goal of every one of these arrows is to strike you so that he elicits from you a wrong and sinful response to the various situations of life. It sounds pretty alarming to think about all those different kinds of arrows Satan can use against us. But do you know what? There's no good reason for any of them to hit us. That's because God has made available to us a great place to take shelter. When we take up the shield of faith, it is big enough to protect us from every one of those flaming darts. Hello, this is Peter Silseth. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have been taking a detailed look at the armor of God, examining each piece to see what it does and how to use it. Our base of operations is Ephesians chapter 6, so you'll want to keep a finger there as we explore many other verses that shed additional light on the topic. If you remember from our last meeting, the shield that the Roman soldiers used was so large that they could actually stay completely hidden behind it. The wooden shield was covered with leather, which they often soaked in water so that any flaming arrows would be put out. Now, with that mental picture, let's begin our lesson. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, that's the picture that Paul is, is uh, using to convey to us spiritual truth. From this picture of a Roman soldier's shield of protection, Paul is illustrating a very simple but critical truth for us. God has provided us with a shield. It's not made of leather. It's not made of wood. It doesn't have iron on it. But we have a shield and it's called faith. It's called faith. And we need to understand what he means by that. And that, So that leads us to a second question to help us to understand the shield of faith. And it's this, how does faith protect us from Satan's assault? I think this is a very important subject because there are many people today who have a gross misunderstanding of faith. To them, faith is a blind leap in the dark. And there are many believers today who have a, a terrible misunderstanding of faith. That's why you hear people say, well, um, you know what? You, you, you uh, had a friend who died and didn't get healed because you didn't have enough faith to believe. Or they didn't have enough faith. And, and so you have some very, very horrible perspectives on 
faith. We want to see what the Bible teaches about faith. What does Paul mean by the shield of faith? Now, in order to understand the role that faith plays in protecting us from the devil, it's important to first know what type of assaults we need protection from, right? In other words, what, what are these arrows that the devil throws at us? What are his fiery darts, his fiery arrows of the evil one? Well, you know what? Paul doesn't tell us what they are. He does not specifically identify any of the fiery arrows that Satan throws at us. But that does not mean that he doesn't tell us uh, their nature, what they were like. Notice that he, he does not simply say that these are the flaming arrows of the devil. Do you note that? He says they're the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, why does he say evil one? Because he is identifying the fact that uh, Satan, who is behind these arrows, who throws them, is wicked, and therefore the intent of these arrows is wicked. They are wicked arrows of temptation. Temptation, that's what he's talking about. He attacks with the goal of luring us into sin. He is the source of evil. He is the epitome of evil. These arrows are intended to accomplish evil in our lives. They, they can be nothing other than temptation to sin. Now, temptation is not the same thing as sin. Some people feel horrible just because they're tempted. We're all tempted. That's not the same thing as sin. Giving into temptation is, is sin. But you can't stop temptation. Even Jesus was tempted. Temptation is not is not sin. Temptation is a solicitation to sin, but it is not sin itself. And we are tempted many times in our lives. That's the Christian life. That's where we're barraged with and bombarded with temptation. Someone said this, it is no exaggeration to say that during earthly life, multiples, multiple thousands of deadly blazing arrows are launched at the Christian warrior by demons and demon-oppressed culture. And that, folks, watch this. That fits exactly with Paul's exhortation to take up the shield of faith. You see, there are times in our lives when we come under intense temptation. That's not always the case. This doesn't happen all the time. But they come usually when we, when we least expect them. There will be times where you have doubts thrown at you, just out of the blue, doubts. Where did they come from? came from Satan. I know in my life, and I'm assuming in, in yours, because I'm in trouble if it's only me, there have been blasphemous thoughts that have crossed your mind in the, in the most amazing of situations, just, just out of nowhere. You can have blasphemous thoughts when you're praying. You're at work and, and some thought hits you. It's blasphemous and it bombards you. Where does that come from? It comes from Satan. Those who serve the Lord will, will even attest that in the midst of serving him, they will have wicked thoughts that cross their mind. Not even thinking about that and it'll cross their mind. Where does that come from? These are Satan's flaming arrows. They don't arise from you. They arise from him. And when they come, Paul says, you are to grab hold of that shield and let them be extinguished. You can't stop these temptations from coming, but you can answer them and must answer them with the shield of faith or else you will be slain spiritually. Now, what kind of temptations does Satan throw at us? I mean, how long do you have? But let's just put it this way. In his arsenal of temptations, the ones that he tries to lure us most into sin, such sins as would be such as anger, immorality, jealousy, 
covetousness, pride, envy, hatred, fear, worry, distrust, doubt, despair, discouragement, self-reliance, and really, quite frankly, every other sin imaginable. In other words, Satan's flaming arrows are wicked enticements to sin. And the goal of every one of these arrows is to strike you so that he elicits from you a wrong and sinful response to the various situations of life. So here's how it works. When Satan tempts you to doubt God's love and concern for you, when something terrible has happened to you, and he suggests in your mind, you don't hear an audible voice, but you get these thoughts that uh, God really doesn't care for you. He's forgotten you. He's got more important things to do than take care of you. How are you going to protect yourself from, from that? How do you protect yourself? You must protect yourself from, with the shield of faith. Or when you're tempted to believe that your life is ruined by some past sin. You've done something in your life and uh, there's no hope for you. You're on the shelf forever. can never be used again to the Lord. How are you going to protect yourself from believing that wicked lie? It's the shield of faith. See, these are the types of assaults that we, that we face because Satan bombards us with temptations of, of this nature. He pulls at our wicked hearts by tempting us with wicked thoughts in all kinds of areas of our lives. So the real, the real question to ask is this, how can we have victory over strong temptation? That, that's really the issue here. How do we have victory? And Paul's answer is not, well, here's 10 steps to a life of victory. It's faith. It's faith. God has given us a shield to protect us from satanic temptation. That shield is called faith. But precisely what kind of faith is Paul referring to? Because when the Bible speaks of faith, it talks about usually it's one or another. It's either, either subjective faith in the sense of personal trust. Sometimes when the Bible speaks of faith, it means your trust. Trust is really a better word than faith because it implies action. Faith, faith takes action. The other kind of faith the Bible mentions is the objective body of Christian beliefs, the faith. So when, for example, uh, Jude tells us we are to contend for the faith, he means the body of truth, written revelation. Or Paul tells Timothy that in the future some will depart from the faith he doesn't mean necessarily, although it involves this, that they'll, that they'll turn from personal trust. Actually, they never really had personal trust to begin with. He means they're going to depart from the, the doctrine. They'll depart from orthodox Christianity. Now, what's interesting about the shield of faith is that it incorporates both aspects of faith, the objective as well as the subjective. I want you to know that in the original Greek text of Ephesians 6.16, it literally says, and I'll read it to you the way it literally is, taking up the shield of the faith. Now, I don't know why the translators left it out, but it is the faith. In other words, the shield of faith is your personal trust in God's written objective word. It's your trust in his written word. Let me put it as as basically as I can, and I would write this down. The way you quench the fiery darts of Satan is believe your beliefs. Believe what you believe. It's not simply a doctrinal statement you have. You must personally trust what you say you believe. That's the way to have victory over Satan. Apply the word of God to every evil allurement by trusting that what God says is true, it's wise, and it's in your best interest because that's the character of God. An old friend many years ago used to say, you need to know it in your knower. 
That was his way of stressing that you understand what the Bible says about God and his attributes, and you hold fast to that knowledge, never wavering. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. If you just tuned in, we welcome you and hope you can stay with us, not only for the rest of today's class, but for the remainder of this series of Bible studies about the armor of God. Pastor Steve Kreloff has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in the area some Sunday and you're looking for a place to worship, why not pay us a visit at Lakeside? You will find Lakeside midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches, at 1893 Sunset Point Road. Let's return to class now and see how the shield of faith enables us to overcome temptation. 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory we have, even our faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And of course, the world is under Satan's control. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on Ephesians, illustrates great some great words by, by uh, illustrating how faith can extinguish Satan's flaming arrows. He uses the example of the temptation of lust, but it could be any temptation. Here's what he says. We all have lusts within us, which are easy to ignite. All that is needed is the tiniest flame, and we are a roaring fire. So we are assaulted with hot shafts of sensuality. Foul, diseased arrows of degrading passions, smoking arrows of materialism, we burn so easily. As the arrows fly toward us, our rationalizations come so naturally. If God didn't want me to have this, then why did he make me with such a desire for this thing, this person, this pleasure? My neighbor has it. He does it. He's doing so well. But then comes God's word. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor, Exodus 20:17. Comes to you another verse, a passage. It is God's will that you should be holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit, First Thessalonians 4. Or another verse comes to you. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things, Philippians 4.8. And then Kent Hughes writes, as we believe God's word, the shield flies up and the arrows fall to ashes. What a great illustration. That's exactly how you do it. Folks, what Paul is calling us to is a life of faith. That's a life of faith. The just shall live by faith. This is not initial saving faith. God grants us faith and repentance so that we call upon Christ to save us at the time of our conversion. That is a gift of God. You don't have it in and of yourselves. We're dead in sins and trespasses. This is why we believe so strongly in election and the sovereignty of God. God is the one who initiates salvation, who brings us to himself. But that's not what Paul is referring to. He's talking to believers. This is practical, daily trust in the Lord. This is what gives us victory over satanic temptations. The entire Bible calls us to a walk of faith. I remember hearing the story of a man who came to Donald Gray Barnhouse, a pastor in Philadelphia, and he said, I've been reading my Bible, and, I, and he said, I'm going crazy. What, what does God want? What does he want? I'll do anything. What, tell me what he wants. 
And Barnhouse looked at him and said, he wants to be believed. That's the essence of the Bible. He wants to be believed. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that what? He is. And, And the writer doesn't mean that we simply believe that he exists. He who comes to him must believe that he is who he reveals himself to be. We must believe God's revelation. That's, that's what pleases the Lord. The entire Bible calls us to not only trust Christ for our initial salvation, but to trust him in all the adverse and horrible circumstances of life. That's what the Bible calls us to do. And, and really, this is the point of Hebrews chapter 11. Let, let's look at Hebrews 11. This is the faith chapter in the Bible, but I'm afraid it's a, really not always understood like it should be. Hebrews 11 comes after Hebrews 10, and you know, you pay me to tell you this, but I, I know that you know this. He, in Hebrews chapter 10, the writer closes the chapter by uh, encouraging these Hebrews who were going under such persecution to persevere. Some of them had their property taken. Some of them were thrown in prison. There were Jewish people who uh, many were abandoned by their families. They, th- these were difficult times and these were satanic assaults. And so the writer is saying, don't retreat. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but, but really have confidence, uh, trust in the Lord. And then he moves into what we call chapter 11 where he says, let me explain and, and, and present before you your, some of your spiritual as well as physical ancestors. They exercised faith. They were men and women who went through at the time what looked like impossible situations, but they trusted God's revelation. They trusted God's word. And so that's where Hebrews chapter 11 fits in. And that's why in chapter 12, he says at the beginning, Uh, Verse 1, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, he means uh, that these people testify to you from the pages of Scripture. It's not that they're watching you like in a stadium. It's that they testify to you that that if they cross the finish line of, of their lives triumphantly in faith, then you can too. Some of them cross the finish line crawling. Some of them crossed the finish line bleeding, kind of at a marathon, bleeding and crawling, but they made it, and they made it by faith, and the writer is saying, you can too, and I say that to you, you can trust the Lord. That's what Hebrews 11 is about, but before he illustrates how these people believed, he first defines faith in verse 1, and I think it's important for us to see this. In fact, to my knowledge, this is the only time in the Bible that God actually defines faith. This is not a full definition, it's not exhaustive, but it's very helpful. He says in in verse 1, he says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Let's stop there. What does that mean? Well, the basic thought here is that faith is living in a hope so real that it gives absolute assurance to the point that we base our lives upon God's promises. You see, faith, I told you before, faith is really an action. It's a verb, it's not so much a noun. Faith is living in a hope so real that you actually base your life upon it. You do something. There's activity. There's an assurance to the point that you base your life upon God's promises. In other words, faith is being sure and certain of what God has said. Not simply in an intellectual way, although it involves that. You obviously first have to have intellectual assent, but it actually does something. If this is true, then I will do this. That's what faith, faith is. That's very crucial to understand because, as I said, there are many, even believers, who have just very faulty views about practical faith. 
what this tells us is that our faith must always, and note this, always be based upon the objective word of God. It is not a blind leap in the dark. It is not some vague and, and nebulous wishful thinking. Well, I, I believe you're going to be healed. Well, why do you believe that? I just believe it. And, and I'm going to convince myself of it. That's not faith. That's positive thinking, but that's not faith. Faith is, and biblical faith we're talking about, is always based upon the conviction that what God says in his word is true and reliable because God always speaks the truth and he never lies. In fact, scripture says he's not even capable of lying. God who cannot lie. This is a conviction that we have. A conviction that God is always truth. This conviction, the writer goes on, Right to the Hebrews tells us is the, the second part of verse one is the conviction of things not seen. That's interesting. In other words, we are convinced that things we are, we are convinced of, of things that we are unable to see, that we believe they're real. Faith, remember, Paul said, is walking by, not by sight, but by trust. He said that in 2 Corinthians, you walk by faith and not by sight. We are so convinced that these things are real even though we can't see them. Conviction of things unseen. That's why, for example, when you, when you look at Hebrews 11, you'll read such verses as verse 7 about Noah. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen. In reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Noah was told to build an ark because there's going to be a flood. What is a flood? He had never seen rain. We believe most likely there was some kind of canopy at that point covering the earth. And the canopy broke up and and, and it flooded. And Noah had never seen this. And yet he trusted God. He believed what he did not see. Same thing in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, remember he lived in Ur of the Chaldees in what we call today Mesopotamia, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. God didn't tell him initially that he was going to the land of Canaan. But Abram believed God. He believed God even though he didn't see where he was to go. And he didn't even understand it. God said it and Abraham trusted. That's, that's what faith is. In fact, if you want to learn more about that great chapter, Hebrews 11, visit our website, We had a series of 36 lessons on the heroes of the faith a while back, and you can find all those lessons on the website. I will give you that web address in just a minute. Thank you very much for tuning in. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us through the armory that God has made available to every Christ follower. The Apostle Paul described the various pieces of armor in Ephesians chapter 6. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are blessed to be able to make his expository or verse by verse messages available through this fine radio station. We are a faith ministry made possible through the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who we hope are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's lesson again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download it for later. It's easy to go back and catch up on any previous lessons you may have missed by clicking the link to the archives page. 
That's also the place to find those lessons about the heroes of the faith that I mentioned earlier. If you're interested, we offer a free podcasting service. That's a great way to make sure you don't miss any lessons. There's also a link that will let you sign up for our complimentary newsletter. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle portion of a three-part message. It is often helpful to hear an entire message at once. If you'd like to do that, we offer audio CDs and cassettes. You can order one by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. The heroes of the faith that we find in Hebrews chapter 11 are interesting characters. If you read the details of their lives, it's clear that they all had serious faults. Yet in the end, they held fast to their faith and testified eloquently of God's own faithfulness. What a great encouragement they are to us when our own faith is put to the test. When Pastor Steve returns next time with the conclusion of this message about the shield of faith, we will find out more about how faith helps us in our battles with Satan. And we will also learn about the most important aspect of faith. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.